Welcome into Loho Daily. I am Loho, a.k.a. Lawrence Holmes. Thanks for hanging out with me. I am back from vacation just in time to watch the Bears eke out a win against the Minnesota Vikings team that had a lot of people either not playing or not active in the game. I don't know what to make of the final game and if I should even put any sort of weight on what happened in the game. Other than the the thing that bothered me, and it's funny, as I, was, I came into the station recorder, I ran into Anthony Heron, and I said, is there anything to them not playing well, particularly well offensively, against a team that didn't care if it won or lost, but still ended up fighting really hard? And he just kind of was like, yeah, it's not good. It's not good that the offense continues to struggle. And you ended up settling for a, a lot of field goals in the Bears' 21-19 to win. I, I'm happy, I guess, that they won the game, that even after the, the sack fumble turnover situation that got called back, and luckily for the Bears it did, it, it did look like the, the, the guy was down. Because if it didn't, then you were talking about a real disaster of a loss against a team that, it wasn't trying that that sent Sean Mannion out there to quarterback for for and you're watching all the Bears players that did play and seeing Khalil Mack out there for the entire game and him not having as much of an impact as you would want. All those things are are things that we've been talking about for a majority of the season. So that's my really my only real takeaway from the the game against the Vikings. I think that over the next couple of days, probably the next couple of weeks, when we do podcasts on the Bears, the the issues with the Bears are going to be talked about from mostly a a big picture. There is one thing that I do think is interesting. Before I talk about the team, let me talk about the choice that that the Bears made. The usually what happens is organizations will have press conferences on Monday. Is teams that aren't going to the playoffs will have their press conferences on Monday. There'll be a lot of firings. They refer to it as Black Friday in the NFL. That I don't I don't think that that's going to be the case. And I know for a fact that the Bears aren't going to do anything on Monday because they sent out a press release earlier saying that they were going to do theirs on Tuesday. And you might be saying, well, wait, why would they do it on Tuesday? Well, the cynic would say that the reason that they're going to do it on Tuesday is because Tuesday is New Year's Eve. And it allows for them to say whatever it is that they're going to say. And I'm sure that it's going to be some sort of combination of if we just had a couple of bounces go our way, we could have been 13 and three this year. And oh, we're still very confident and high on Mitch and his ceiling and all that stuff. It all gets to get blended into New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, people being off and gets buried. It, it is, it is a, a very slick way to news dump. Because that's what they're doing. It's it's a, a legitimate news dump by them to take the spotlight off of what they're doing. I am glad they're doing it early. It's supposed to be 9.30 in the morning on Tuesday. That'll give everyone at the score an opportunity to to run some of this stuff back and let you get your thoughts in on, on the Bears. So the Bears finished the season 8-8 eight and eight after their win. There's a lot to unpack when it comes to the Bears' offense. And as I said, it'll be something that we discuss over the next few weeks. Let me start with the the main issues, plural, 
and I was having a conversation with my guys over in the football after show about this. There, I don't know if there is a right answer. The question that I'm getting ready to ask you, I don't know if it has a right answer. But the question is, what's the bigger issue? Mitchell Trubisky's inability to execute Matt Nagy's offense the way that he would want it, or Matt Nagy not being flexible enough to understand that his quarterback can't execute the offense and then making the appropriate changes that would allow for the Bears' offense to be better. You heard me talk about this a couple weeks ago, and it still is true right now. Matt Nagy was supposed to come in and fix the Bears' offense. That's the main reason that he was hired. Two two reasons. One, fix the Bears' offense. Two, squire along the quarterback and make the quarterback better. You tell me which one of those things has been accomplished. Neither has been accomplished is the right answer. The offense under Matt Nagy is lesser than what it was in the second years of what two of the last three offensive coordinators here in Chicago, other than Dowell Loggins. If, if you go back a little bit and you look at what Mark Tressman did in year two, in a year where he got fired, his offense was better than Matt Nagy's. If you look at Mike Martz's offense in the second year, it's better than Matt Nagy's. It scored more points. They don't score touchdowns. Now, granted, in the game against the Vikings, David Montgomery made a really, really smart play. Gave up the opportunity to score a touchdown so that they could bleed the clock and let Eddie Pinheiro kick the the game-winning field goal. That's smart football. But it then goes back to some of the problems that put you in the position where you needed to rally against a team that was quarterbacked by Sean Mannion. But in the bigger picture of it, you're asking Matt Nagy to enhance this offense, to do something special with the Bears offense, to make the quarterback better, and neither one of those objectives has been accomplished. What I, I can't figure out, and it's, it's one of my themes, and I I've readily admit that, are they going to be honest in their assessment of what's happened this season? Matt Nagy talked about after the game that he's going to need some time to really go through this. And I'm, I will allow that. I, I think that that's a – if I'm going to criticize him, I, I want him to look through it and be as thorough as possible. And when he's done, my question is about the assessment. Are you going to say that maybe you, weren't, you aren't ahead of the game? that maybe you need to take a look at some other things or your ideal scenario of what you thought the Bears' offense was going to be hasn't really come to pass. And that's okay. Like that, that's, They got the jump start in season one. They were ahead of everyone until the league got filmed. And all you have to do is go back to week 11 of the 2018 season, and from then on, you see an offense that is easily stopped. 
and routinely stopped. And an offense that has to settle for field goals. Which is why it felt like the end of the world when Cody Parkey was missing kicks. Because look at how close they are if they could just make a field goal. And that became an ongoing theme coming into the 2019 season. It's one that I feel has been disproved. Or disproven? Disproved. It's been disproved this year because of all the other things that were in their favor in 2018. Like takeaways. Like health. And you didn't see a jump by the quarterback. And you have to try and figure out and you know assess the blame. Is it 50% on Mitch and 50% on Nagy? Is it 48% on Nagy and 52? Whatever it is, I do know that, that there is some sort of disconnect that has happened. And I hope that when he looks through all of this tape and tries to figure out what went wrong with his offense, that he can be honest if if he sees that the quarterback may have some tools, some tools that are are worthy of trying to figure out whether or not he can win, and then say, well, he can win if I change. Or, or, if throughout his examination of what went wrong with the Bears' offense, he figures out, ah, he's just not the guy. I'm okay with that, too. But if that's what you end up coming up with, then you better make a plea to your general manager to change things, to change that quarterback room, that quarterback room that has been put in place to pacify the quarterback. How many coaches do you need for Mitch to not get it? Think about all the people that they have in their building who pretty much their sole job is to help Mitch along. You've got the head coach. You've got the offensive coordinator. You've got the quarterback coach. Now, every team has that. But then you went down and brought in Brad Childress to help you out with some of these offensive concepts. You brought in Chase Daniel to be a coach on the an essential coach on the field essentially that's what he does and to be in the room with Mitch you brought in Tyler Bray to act as another sounding board because of his experience in the system even though his, ex, his experience isn't on the actual playing field so if Matt Nagy goes through this and is honest in his assessment of the quarterback saying we we need to make some changes to the way that we do things. I'm here for it. I'm here for him saying, well, maybe we need to add quarterbacks that aren't just here to pacify the quarterback. Guys who aren't just here to be the sounding board, to be Mitch's friend, to squire him through all of the the tricks and turns of what Matt Nagy wants to do offensively that their job is going to be to try to come in and win football games when given the opportunity. It's not to backstab Mitch, but it's to say, hey, if you don't play well and I get my opportunity, I'm not giving you the opportunity back. Now, 
there's an argument to be made that there aren't a ton of developmental quarterbacks in the NFL these days, and I'm open to that argument. If you look around and look at the backup quarterback situation around the NFL, it's bad. When you end up having to shuffle between uh, Duck Hodges and Mason Crosby. Or you see a guy like today, Sean Mannion. Or you get all the way down to a guy like David Blau, who quite honestly has played a lot better than I expected a a guy who was undrafted and a third-string quarterback to come in and play. Yeah, it's, it's a devoid of talent. But that's where Ryan Pace comes in. You need to go and find some sort of competition. If that's what Matt Nagy figures out, that, that it isn't the scheme, it's the quarterback. But if he figures out it's, it's, it's his scheme that's the problem and the quarterback's okay, then he needs to start figuring out what it is that he can do more of. It's so interesting to me. I have to see if I can do a screen grab. See if I can go back. I, I got a couple of the 2018 games on tape. A screen grab of Matt Nagy's play card last year versus what his play card looks like this year. We were watching the game today joking about how empty it looks. And it just kind of got emptier and emptier as the season went on, as he's stripping down different things that he can't do. My, my biggest issue with Nagy throughout when it comes to his game calling is he doesn't build off things. It's almost like he wants to just, well, we're going to run this play. And no matter what happens, we're going to run this play next. Or we're going to run this play. All right, great. Well, they fell for that formation, that look. Why not use something that looks similar and then show them something different? And I don't think he does that enough. I'm not saying he never does it. He does. He doesn't do it enough. That's where you're getting people who have played the game before and people who cover the game going, why aren't they using more bootlegs? And why aren't they moving Mitch out of the pocket? And why aren't they taking advantage of what happens when teams think you're going to run and then you pass? All of those things are all valid questions for Matt Nagy. And I'm hoping that he finds it. I hope that he finds what he's looking for. Wait, let me rephrase that because I think that he's found what he's looking for in the film too often. His confirmation bias is high. I hope that taking some time away from the game, taking some time away from his players and their influence on him because he wants them to succeed – I think that Matt Nagy does a great job of team building. I think that's one of the best things about him as a coach, that his teams consistently play hard, his teams truly like him, and they are willing to do whatever. But his positivity sometimes blinds him to what's actually happening on the field. So my hope is that the absence of those players being around the absence of him being completely surrounded by football allows for him to have a clear-eyed look at who he is as a coach, and he's still developing as a coach, and I think that we need to offer him that space to do it. But if he doesn't change and the results don't change, 
you have to start asking some really hard questions on whether or not this guy is legitimately head coaching material. And I know what you're saying. Lawrence, he was coach of the year last year. You're right. He was coach of the year last year. And what was his follow-up performance? I think that there was so much that they thought they got right last year that it allowed for them to not make any real significant changes to the way that they do things. And I don't think that the way that they do things is good enough. And that's all the way all the way up the chain as far as organizations go in sports. If you look at Ryan Pace, and I promise you that later on this week we'll spend a lot more time talking about Ryan Pace. If you look at where Ryan Pace's teams have finished, outside of last year, it's either last or third. That's during his tenure. He can make the argument that he had some messes to clean up. Well, now this is your mess. And sure, 500 feels a lot better than 7 and 9. But we all know what we saw throughout the year, including a performance at the end of the season that was still disjointed against a team that was begging to lose, that, that didn't play their best players. And you still ended up, in a nail-biting game situation at the end. I never thought that coming into the game that we would spend a lot of time talking about what happened in the Vikings game anyway, but the fact that there actually is something to take out of the Vikings game and it's not good is troubling. So the Bears are going to do all sorts of stuff this week. You're going to hear the press conferences from them. And it's um, there's a lot to discuss. We haven't even talked about the defense yet. So I guess I got a lot of work for me this week when it comes to some of the podcasts. I guess I'll do one on every facet of the team, except for special teams. I didn't think Chris Tabor did a very good job. I think Matt Nagy needs to make some changes to his coaching staff. You can add, put two and two together. He's not the only coach, by the way. But we'll get to all of it throughout the week. I also have some shows. I'm back on air this week, so please listen. Noon to two every day on the score. We got some fun stuff this week, including Joe Madden is going to be. I know you're like, Bears, Bears. Joe Madden's going to be on the show Monday, and Matt Forte is going to be on the show. So we're going to have a lot of fun, talk about a lot of stuff. I appreciate the support. I needed a week off. I'm glad I took a week off. I hope that everyone had a really safe uh, Hanukkah and Christmas and Kwanzaa. When I'm back, We'll have more to discuss throughout the week. Thanks for listening today. It is much appreciated. Your support is appreciated. Please check out my other podcast too. House of L is really, really great, and I do a really cool under center podcast with, with all the boys over at NBC. It's cool. Noon, Monday, 670 The Score, and the Radio.com app. Check out the show. Talk to you later.